Take me out to the ball game. Take me out to the ball National League. Deals the two-one pitch and Votto hammers it deep right field. This one is gone. Another grand slam. American League. Judge hammers out into center field. Inciarte racing back. Looking up and that ball is gone. America's pastime. Today, I consider myself the luckiest man on the face of the earth. Major League Baseball. Swing and a miss. Strike three. It's over. The Red Sox have won the world championship. Welcome to Off the Foul Pole with Travis Anderson and Carter Sipkins on the Drive Time Sports Podcast Network. Welcome into a new edition of Off the Foul Pole right here on the Drive Time Sports Podcast Network. Travis Anderson and Carter Simpkins bringing you episode three, Carter, three episodes in. And uh, opening day uh, is an exciting time for a lot of people as, you know, everybody has hope with their team. Oh, it's a national holiday. Took the day off of work, took my son out of school, had a party. It's one of, the, it's one of my favorite days of the year by far. Yeah, it should be a national holiday, right? We should all get work off to sit back and watch baseball, you know, all day long. That's how it was back in the day. I think we need to bring it back. I'm with you. So we can start with Philadelphia and Atlanta who kicked things off. And Bryce Harper made his debut with the Philadelphia Phillies. And uh, it didn't take long for Philly fans to uh, boo the uh, chosen one, Bryce Harper. Yeah, I was watching that game. First inning, Bryce Harper runs out to his position center field, takes a bow to the crowd, gets them all hyped up, had a, a decent first at bat, let a couple bad pitches go by, hit a hard ball down the first baseline uh, and ran it out to first base and got out. But after that, it was 0 for the century, two strikeouts, swinging at bad pitches. And yes, the Boo Birds came out early, first game of the year for Bryce Harper. Well, we're going to get into this a little bit more because there's a poll out that's on the Athletic, right? Yes. So we can we'll touch on that because you know the players uh, it's a players only so they voted so it, it leads into some more Bryce Harper later on in the show but like you said Bryce Harper three at bats one run one walk like you said he had the strikeouts and uh, they how booed surprised him. are you about the booze? I'm not surprised because if you go back I believe in episode one or two we talked about that Philadelphia fans are they're weird and it doesn't take them long to turn on you I'm not surprised at all that it took one game in to boo this guy because that's what Philly fans do. They're idiots. Yeah. I I mean, I, it is Philly, but I was honestly a little surprised how quickly they – you should have seen the crowd at the beginning of the game. They're going crazy for this guy. He was a rock star. They were standing ovation his first at bat. Even when he got out, they were standing ovation as he ran back the dugout. They were all cheering him on. By the seventh inning, he was getting boos from the crowd. I, I don't get it. Uh, Aaron Nolan uh, for the Phillies gets the win. Uh, six innings pitched, two hits, one earned, eight strikeouts. And they're going to rely heavily on him as the season moves forward for Philadelphia. 10-4 win. They get a grand slam out of uh, Rice Hoskins, who uh, shot uh, that one into the crowd to give him a 10-4 win. For Atlanta, their starting pitching's banged up. Uh, Julio Tehran, uh five innings pitched, four hits, three earned, seven strikeouts. Not bad, but for the time being, He's their best pitcher. He's the ace, and they're going to rely heavily. So for Atlanta, a team that surprised a lot of people last season with the deep run that they made, uh, 10-4 loss on opening day. Yeah, and both of these teams are going to have to score a lot of runs on offense. 
to win some ball games. They, they can't rely on their bullpens. The starting pitching is spotty for both teams at best. So 10 runs yesterday for the Phillies. Uh, as long as they can do that consistently, they're going to win a lot of ball games. But it's baseball. Tomorrow, the, they got the day off today. Tomorrow, they'll probably score one run. And Ronald uh, Aracuna Jr., who uh, I believe is going to be the runner-up for MVP, another solid day. So that young stud continues to impress. Uh, he's the best player on that team. Yeah, it should be a fun race in that division. Um, hopefully it stays tight throughout. Washington looked good yesterday. Uh, so hopefully you get a good three-team race in the National League East between the Braves, Phillies, and Nationals. How fun was that pitching matchup yesterday in Washington? Robinson Cano going yard, first at bat against Max Serger, first at bat for, as a as New a, York Met. But, yeah, it was a great great pitching matchup yesterday. There's a lot of really good – you always get good pitching matchups on opening day because you got everybody's best starters. But, yeah, that was a good one for sure. Are you more offense or do you like the pitching like we had in that New York – do you like explosive – like we got out of the Dodgers, 12-5, L.A. Uh, opening day record with eight home runs. Do you like that kind of explosive game or 12-5 or do you prefer the – you know, two nothing grind out. You know, back and forth uh, that we had in Washington, the Mets. Because for me, I prefer the Mets uh, uh, national game. I think for the regular season, I don't mind lots of home runs and lots of scoring. When it gets to the playoffs, I like the close games. I like the two to one games. I like the pitching battles. Every at bat counts. Regular season, you got 162 games. It drags on. To sit there and watch a game in the middle of July that's one to nothing in the eighth inning with not a lot of runs scored is kind of a tough watch. I'll watch it, but for the regular fan, I think they like to see the home run and the high-scoring games. So I don't mind it in the regular season. Yeah, diehard fans like you, me, Jordan, who love the game of baseball, who we don't like the changes with the clock and you know trying to hurry the game up. Uh, I don't like that. I like the grind-out type games. And, you know, middle of, I know we're one game in, but I, I loved everything we got out of that Washington-New York game. And equally as much, I, I love watching the Dodgers explode. And I believe that, you know, it's one game in, but that's what I expect out of the Dodgers. Uh, Ryu, six innings pitch, four hits, one earned, eight strikeouts. And the Dodgers are clearly the best team in the National League. They're heads and tails above everybody else. That lineup is just lethal to go through. Yeah, the National League reminds me a little bit of the Eastern Conference in basketball. It's just weak. You got a couple good teams at top with the Dodgers and the Cubs. And whoever decides to come out of the National League, maybe the Nationals this year. But, yeah, I think it's weak. Overall, it's a a really weak National League this year. Worse than last year. Worse than last year. And the Mets are, I think, they're a team that can compete for a playoff spot when we get down to, you know, towards August, September, that they could be in the wild card hunt with the pitching that they have. The Mets lineup is, you know, good now with Robinson Cano, but the Dodgers, what they did yesterday, eight home runs. Kike had two. It's good for Jock Peterson, who had two, who's out of the lineup now. Dave Roberts, one day uh, later, benches him. That's going to be the downfall, Carter, uh, for the Dodgers. If they don't win the World Series championship, for me, it's Dave Roberts. Yeah, we were talking about this earlier. I think Dave Roberts has a tendency to overmanage, to overthink, to try and change things up the next day just to change change things up. Not necessarily, I don't know if it's sabermetrics. I don't know if, you know, they see all the stats and things that we don't see behind the scenes. But as a fan watching the game and you see Kike have a game like that yesterday and Jacques, and just to mix it up like that in game two of the season, 
doesn't make sense. Yeah, you got to get those guys, I mean, ride the hot hand uh, the next day. And then if they struggle, then okay, on Saturday or Sunday or Monday, whatever the case may be, and then you can give them a rest. But one day in, already tinkering with the lineup. And that's the reason, you know, the last two World Series, if you go back, you know, Dave Roberts made some questionable decisions, and that's why the Dodgers, Dodgers should have beat the Astros. Let's face it, they should have beat the Astros that year. Last year, no. Uh, The Red Sox were clearly the best team in baseball throughout the regular season. Dodgers weren't going to beat the Red Sox. I think he was outmanaged in both World Series. It was... It was last year, like it was the Red Sox were just better. It didn't matter how well Roberts managed, they were going to lose that series. But they should have beat the Houston Astros two years ago. And Dave Roberts was outmanaged that year. Zach Grinke, a guy for the Arizona Diamondbacks, three uh, innings yesterday, three and two thirds, seven hits, seven earned, three strikeouts, ERA now 17.18 after one game. So, ouch. Yeah, he's a guy that is not long for Arizona. Is one of these contenders is probably going to make a move for him because it doesn't make sense for Arizona to, to keep Zach Greinke at this point. No, they're obviously rebuilding. Traded Goldsmith. They have some good young players in the farm set, but they're they're a few years away, if that, of competing. So I I would be really surprised, barring an injury or something crazy like that, if Zach Greinke is still with the Arizona Diamondbacks at the end of the season. All right, Carter, it's your time to shine. We're going to start uh, with you, and you can now gloat and brag about the New York Yankees because that's your team, so go for it. I I've, I've can't remember the last time I've been this excited about a Yankees team. Their lineup is so stacked. When you have Gary Sanchez batting sixth, Troy Tulowitzki batting ninth, um... Torres is eight and Bird seven, and you talked about you and know you got Luke Voigt who came out of nowhere last year in a trade from the Cardinals as batting cleanup for the New York Yankees first opening day start. Yeah, he's batting a thousand on the season and one uh, four RBIs yesterday. You got two hit two hits to right field by Judge and Giancarlo back to back, and then Luke Voigt steps up and hits a three run bomb, and then you got to deal with uh, Andujar Torres. Gary Sanchez, I mean, their lineup is absolutely stacked, and then their bullpen is just as stacked, if not better. Britton, Chapman. Uh, Batances. Uh, Octavio, from uh, who came over from what, Colorado, yes, that was that was, where he was? That, yes. that was a great sign. Adam Ottavino from the Rockies was one of the best pickups I think they made this year. And Tanaka is going to be key for, for the Yankees. I, I still believe Tanaka is their best pitcher. Do you, do you agree with that or disagree with that? Yeah, I think he's you know he's used to pitching on the big stage in New York. Um, he's a big game pitcher. He'll show up and he'll give you a good solid five six innings in a big spot where you really need him. He has a tendency to to give up a lot of home runs, but like I said, he's gonna he's gonna keep the score manageable for your offense to always have a chance to win the game. Five and two thirds yesterday's uh, on opening day. Six hits, one earned, five strikeouts. Pitch count was what 80, 83 pitches uh, through I think fifty six fifty seven strikes. So finishes the day with a one point five nine ERA. So, yeah, the Yankees are a team that uh, I'm I'm with you. I think the Yankees are easily can win that division. I picked it's, Boston, but it's one game. Boston got lit up last night. But the Yankees I, bullpen's better. I think so. And their lineups are 
from you know one through nine, their lineups are very similar with talent. If the Yankees are healthy, I I think top to bottom they have a better lineup, and they're deeper on their bench. You had DJ LeMahieu on the bench yesterday, healthy, nothing wrong. He was he, it was a pitching matchup that they felt like um, favored Torres, and so they went with him. But you had players like DJ sitting on the bench yesterday. So I think they're deeper, um, and I think their bullpen is a little bit better this year. And you talk about the Red Sox, who went up to Seattle. It's a never an easy place to play. And the uh, Mariners get the 12-4 win on opening day. Chris Sell roughed up, three innings pitch, six hits, seven earned, only four strikeouts. So a struggle for Chris Sell and the Boston Red Sox, who got off to a flat start in that game allowing Seattle to... Uh, Boston actually jumped out to a 2-0 lead, and in the second, Seattle got 3-4 in the third. Seattle adds 1 in the fifth, 2 in the sixth, 2 in the seventh, and they cruise to a 12-4 win over the Boston Red Sox. Not the way you wanted to see your season start as a Red Sox fan, especially with Chris Sale on the mound. Now, he had some shoulder soreness towards the middle end of last year, um, was out for a while, came back strong in the playoffs... But that would be a concern of mine this year, Chris L with his shoulder. He just signed that long-term extension, so he's going to be there for a while. But definitely not the way you want to see your season start as a Red Sox fan. And you talked about that shoulder and the soreness, and I think yesterday it really uh, affected the way that he uses his fastball and his off-speed pitches because he just couldn't, you know, muster it up and, and get it to his spots. And the Mariners jumped all over his spot. And and Carnacion had a home run off of him, I believe, in the third inning. So, yeah, Seattle uh, jumped at it. They took advantage. Yeah, you saw very few swing and misses yesterday. Uh, not a lot of strikeouts. And, like I said, you, very few misses, swings by the Seattle Mariners yesterday, which is rare against Chris Self, no, no matter who he's facing. Now, if I told you uh, Ed... Edwin and Carnacion played for the Mariners. Would you have known that? No. Because. <laughs> I learned that yesterday watching the game. Yeah, I was watching. I was like, Edwin and Carnacion. I thought he was on the Indians. That dude has them. been around. Yeah. He's been around the league. Well, Cincinnati got rid of him and replaced him with Scott Rowland. And then he went to Toronto and Toronto to Cleveland. Now with Seattle. So, yeah. And Carnacion, the bright spot for the Mariners. And your Colorado Rockies get a 6-3 win. A team that you are all over that you love. Again, they're playing the Miami Marlins, which are projected to be one of the worst, if not the worst, teams in baseball this year, so you can't get real excited about it. It's an opening day win. They played well. Their uh, lineup, I love their lineup, though. Yeah. Blackman, Murphy, uh, Arenado, Trevor Story, uh, Desmond's in the lineup. I mean, Kyle Freeland's their, their ace. He pitched really well yesterday for Colorado, going seven innings, two hit, one earned, and five strikeouts. Yeah, good, solid inning. Uh, they play again tonight. Uh, like I said, it's a series you're, you should win, on the even on the road. That's one thing that um, the doubters always talk about, the Rockies playing on the road outside of Coors Field, Mile High Stadium. Because they have an advantage there when teams go in there. It's a, a very difficult place to pick up wins, so they're going to always be you know home dominant. Uh, where they're going to make up their ground is on the rope. Yeah, they got to win. They got to win road games. They've been the wild card team the last two years. I know they'd love to win the division this year and not have to play in that one game wild card, but that's going to be tough against the Dodgers. We can move on and talk about the powerhouse team in the National League, the Cincinnati Reds, who are off to a one and zero start. 
The uh, Reds beat the Pirates yesterday in a very uh, good back-and-forth game. Cincinnati gets a home run by Derek Dietrich there late in the game. In the seventh inning, he hit a three-run shot to give the Reds a 5-3 win. Good win for the... How do you feel about it? It's not my team. I love the lineup. Uh, I, I, th- I mean... What's you- it I love? <laughs> the only problem I have with the Reds lineup is Jesse Winker is very horrible defensively, but Matt Kemp equally is horrible as a you know defensive liability. I love Kemp's uh, bat in the lineup once he gets going. He didn't play yesterday, but Puig went 0-4, but Votto, uh, Soares, Shebler, Peraza, I mean, with uh, Scooter Jeanette out two months, I, I like to see the depth that now has to replace that, and that's Jose Peraza, who had a home run, uh, two of four yesterday. Luis Castillo, the, he's their best pitcher. They got Sonny Gray and Tanner Roark, but Lu, Luis Castillo's their best pitcher, and his his day was wasted because the bullpen gave up the game. Five and uh, two-thirds, two hits, one earned, eight strikeouts. So for the Reds, it's going to be pitching, and I like their bullpen. I think their bullpen and David Bell is not afraid to go to his closer you know, in the seventh, eighth inning to try to get those outs and get the win, and that's what he did yesterday. So bullpen stepped up late uh, off the bench. The depth stepped up and gave Cincinnati a 5-3 win. You can't ever complain about an opening day win. That's, you want no, to start your it, season with a win. What's crazy is how bad the Reds have been. Yesterday was the largest opening day crowd in Great American Ballpark history and the fifth largest uh, opening uh, or crowd, I should say, that they've had in that ballpark. So fifth largest crowd all time. Why is that? Excitement. I think when you their payroll now is $120 million. The fans like that they spent the money in the offseason. Fans, yeah. Anytime you spend money, the fans are going to come to it. So... When you add, I mean, Yasiel Puig is a guy that brings excitement in. He he does, and people have fallen in love with Puig. Now he's not going to be there beyond this point. Let's let's face it, he's not long for Cincinnati. He's going to get a larger contract somewhere else. But when you spend money and you give the team, you know, hope to build off of, I think that draws a crowd. And Cincinnati, you know, is the first professional franchise sports franchise of any sport. Uh, they always open, you know, on opening day. They're always usually the first game, not the case this year. Is, you know, a lot of teams open up. So Reds, you know, they got hope, and that's all you can uh, hope for. For me, I'm glad they spent the money, and I'm excited about this season. I think this team compete throughout the season. Well, we'll see. I would, as, mu- as much as I'd like to give you a hard time about the Reds, I would really enjoy to see them sneak back into the race maybe mid-August to be – you know, three or four games back, have a chance. I'd, I'd love to see that NL Central division close with Milwaukee, Chicago. I think St. Louis is going to be good this year. If the Reds can be in the mix, I think the more the better. And St. Louis yesterday, Lorenzo Kane, what a catch at the wall. To Unbelievable. And that game, yeah, for Milwaukee. Milwaukee's, Milwaukee's good, dude. They're a really good team. Yeah, they got down early. Christian Yelich stepped up, did what MVPs do, stepped up, hit a big home run, got him the lead back, and they, their bullpen came in and shut him down. Well, almost tried to give up the lead there with that uh, robbed home run. by That was amazing way to end the game. Uh, so, yeah, Milwaukee's going to be right there contending all season long. Right Kane, at the top of I the mean, season. if you go down their lineup, Kane leads off, then you have Yelich behind him, Ryan Braun, Travis Shar, Aguilar, Moustakas, Grandel. I mean, it goes on and on. And then on the flip side, you know, the Cardinals, they're not 
bad either with Carpenter, Goldschmidt, DeJong, Ozuna, Molina, Dexter Flower, Colton Wong. So the NL Central is a very good division. It's going to be back and forth uh, all season long between these teams inside the division. You know, the more I look at it, I I kind of was leaning towards the NL East as the um, best division, the best division in the National League. But I think I'm, I don't know, I'm kind of leaning more towards the NL Central because the only team is not really going to compete is Pittsburgh. Yeah, and they're they're not going to be and terrible Miami, either. Miami in the East. So I mean. There's your two bottoms, but the rest of it is is very good. Both divisions. I mean, can't argue with you if you want to think the if you think the central is better. Yeah, I think top to bottom, they're they're a tougher division. So what do you, what's your takes on opening day? So just give me some quick takeaways, and we can move on. We'll talk about the uh, the article. Well, I think uh, yesterday was obviously everybody had their eye on Bryce Harper, Manny Machado. You know these big free agent signings, how they were going to perform in front of the crowds. Nothing happened with those guys. Disappointing days. Nothing happened with Mike Trout after Mike signing Trout. that extension. The Angels lose to the A's 4-0. Um, I think the biggest story yesterday was probably Bryce Harper and his debut and getting booed by the Philadelphia Phillies fans in the first ever game by Bryce Harper. It only took, 300. what, 35 minutes and he got booed? <laughs> it's going to happen. He's going to get booed an awful lot more. That's he just, signed up for it. Yeah, he signed up for play, that when you... Signed up for 13 years to play in Philly for $330 million, you're going to get booed. Well, they're idiots, Carter. It's plain and simple. <laughs> Philly fans are are dopes, and they got to be patient. They're not They're not very patient. They're expecting, you know, big things. I don't have Philadelphia in the playoffs, so. but Philadelphia fans, uh, are, it's World Series or bust for them in their mind, and you can't have that mindset, but that's their How mindset. How can they be World Series or bust this year? You add Bryce Harper, you their line their lineup's good. Their pitching staff's okay, but if you bring in a player like that and you spend almost four hundred million dollars on him, your hope. I mean, what are you bringing him in for? Just to make the playoffs or compete? I, I you got to look at your track record. When's the last time they've even been in the playoffs? How can you have a World Series or bust mentality? For me, you- I think it's World Series or bust for the Phillies. I think that's that's not my mind. I think that's their fans' mindset. I I know I agree, and I don't understand it. I don't understand how they because you have to be patient. Exactly, that's what I'm saying. But, I mean, I don't think they're very patient. No, not with any of their sports. No, I mean they got spoiled out the out the Super Bowl, and then uh, this is where we're at with them. I mean, speaking of the Philadelphia Phillies, so this article in the Athletic. Talked about the most overrated manager, and and this is players uh, that this, voted on it yes. from the athletic. This is all players voting. Uh, they did a poll among all major league players, and we'll go over some of these. But I thought that was interesting. They said, which manager, um, aside from your own, would you least want to play for? And by a pretty wide margin, Gabe Kapler, the Phillies was number one on that list. Yeah, his antics don't, you know, sit well with a lot of people. He's kind of outlandish. He's kind of, you know, he says some really, really stupid things. And I think that plays a part. And these players are always reading or listening or seeing what's going on. So, yeah, I can see why a lot of these players wouldn't want to play for Gabe Kapler. Yeah, and I I remember listening to an interview with him last year, and he talked up his team big time. Felt like they were going to be contenders in the National League last year. 
Um, and down the stretch, the Phillies absolutely fell apart. They were contending probably midway through the season and towards the last quarter of the season, they absolutely fell apart and became one of the worst teams in the majors. Um, so I, I think that reflects on your manager. I think your players that give up towards that end of the year that don't play hard for your manager, that reflects on him. Yeah, they lost nine games in a row there, and you know, towards the end of September, finished out yeah, the, with terrible. two wins. Yeah, they finished eighty and eighty-two. But if you go back prior to that, I think they lost fifteen of twenty, fifteen of nineteen. So yeah, down the stretch, they were absolutely halfway horrible. through the season, they yeah. were right there. They and that's what happens when you when your manager puts you out there like that and puts you on blast and puts you up on the pedestal like that, and you don't meet those expectations. Well, everybody is having uh, the laugh at you because he puts you out there. And when you don't come through, it's on you as a manager and players. Yep. So and the the first poll on this list that they talked about was who was the most intimidating pitcher in the game. Um, what was your guess? Most intimidating? I would have said Max Scherzer. And that's who it was. By 38.7% of the vote, by a landslide, it was Max Scherzer. Some of the comments on Scherzer, I would not want to face that guy. Just nasty, nasty, nasty. The motion, the way he gets after it, he's got that game face. So a lot of respect from the players. And I think players, when you get that kind of respect, if you get voted as one of the best players by the media, it, it doesn't means, mean it means more from the players. Yes. When, you're, when your peers are saying that kind of stuff about you and voting you as the most, I, I bet that's one of the most, the highest praise or compliments that a player can get is from his own peers. Yeah, I'm with you. Max Scherzer is just an absolute stud. And, and yesterday we talked about it in the open, back and forth in that game, and just came up a little bit short. But that's a guy that I wouldn't want to face either. I mean, he, he's been really good for what the last five years. Oh, even longer than that. You're going back to the Detroit days. Detroit, yeah. Seven. If we go back opening day, he had uh, seven innings pitched, two hits. Two earned twelve strikeouts, and Degrom is a guy too. That I, he's got to be on that list somewhere. Uh, six innings for him, five hits, no earned, and ten strikeouts for Degrom. If he so. keeps up this pace for the next few years, he's going to be right up there with. The, he already is one of the top pitchers in the game in my mind. Um, but intimidating factor, I think Max Scherzer just his his intensity, the look on his face, he cares, he wants it, every and, pitch matters and to he's him. not afraid to brush you off if you uh, irritate him. Yeah, and if it's, I mean, if it's middle of July on a Tuesday afternoon against the Miami Marlins, Max Scherzer is going to give you 100% and be into the game, and that's what you love about the guy. So manager we uh, don't want to play for is Gabe Kapler and the most intimidating uh, pitcher is Max Scherzer. So then they, they asked, who is the most intimidating hitter in the game? Easy choice, Trout. And that's the funny thing about Trout is, to me, he doesn't come off as intimidating. I don't know why, to me, because he's not necessarily, when you think of intimidating, you're thinking of home run power hitters, a guy that's going to come up there and smash, which Trout can do and he does do, but Trout's also going to just get a base hit to right field and then he's going to steal second base, and then he's going to get hit in and score, you know, nine times out of ten. So I, I was a little bit surprised by that intimidating hitter. The other um, runners up on that list were Aaron Judge, J.D. Martinez, and John Carlos Stanton. See, those are three hitters that 
are going to strike out a lot, but they're also going to hit the ball out of the ballpark a lot. Again, we're going over the list in the uh, what is it? The players only is this what or the athletic? The athletic that the players voted on. Uh, you know, players poll with the managers and all that. So. We'll just recap real quick. So the players voted that they don't want to play for Gabe Kapler. The most intimidating pitcher was Max Scherzer, and the most intimidating hitter was Mike Trout. So you can continue, Carter. Okay, then they asked who was who was the best defensive player in the game. And on that list, you had players like Andrelton Simmons, Freddie Galvis, and Francisco Landor, and Nolan Arenado. This one was also a landslide. Yeah, Nolan is that corner spot, third base. Nothing gets past him. But Simmons is good at shortstop, and that's who I went with when you were uh, telling me about this and I was trying to you know, pinpoint him. I said Simmons. You can't go wrong with Simmons. He was a close second. Um, well, Nolan got 35% of the vote, and Simmons had 15% of the vote. I probably would have first thought of Simmons as well. Nolan, I think, kind of gets forgotten a little bit playing in Colorado. If Nolan played for... Uh, a team like the Dodgers or the Red Sox or the Yankees, he'd get a lot more recognition, I think. Gets lost in Denver. Yes, and he's been right up there in the MVP race the last few years and hasn't. I don't think he's ever even gotten a runner-up, even though his stats show it. And I don't know if that has to do with him playing in Denver or not, but, yeah, Nolan voted by his peers as the best defender of the game. That's pretty high praise. Pretty high praise uh, coming. Uh, yeah, like we said, it means more from your peers and for Nolan, the peers. Uh, and he signed a big contract this year, too. Eight years, $260 million. Not going anywhere uh, anytime soon. going to retire a Rocky as he should. I think that's a, a, that's a big-time signing for the Colorado Rockies. Yeah, he's been the face of that franchise since, you know, Todd Helton stepped away. Yeah, the Rockies have always... Been able to have their guy. They had Troy Tulowitzki, uh, Todd Helton. Um, they had Matt Holiday before that. They always have their guy, but they haven't been able to build around that guy and get it done in the playoffs, even though they did make it to the World Series and got swept by the Red Sox with that Matt Holiday run. Um, so hopefully they can continue to build around Arenado, guys like Charlie Blackman, who signed to a long-term deal. So they got some pieces there. That's why I love my Rockies, Travis. Yeah, you do. It's just going to uh, come down to pitching for the Rockies, which, when it's all said and done, will be the downfall for you and your Colorado Rockies. To uh, You had them in the World Series. You changed the pick, which is fine. <laughs> I, I would have stuck with the Rockies before I went with the Cubs. That's who you went with was the Cubs, correct? Yes, Cubs-Yankees. Yeah, so we wrote all these down. We got the over-unders. We have our division by division. So at the end of the year, one of us is going to be buying another, you know, for you, some Yankee gear or me, some Cincinnati red gear. So I've been needing a new Aaron Judge jersey. So I'll look yeah, it's going to get, you know, when it's October, I'm going to have to get a new red uh, hoodie to keep me warm throughout the winter. So looking forward to winning that bet against you. Okay, who is the most underrated player in the game? This is, again, voted by the players. Who is the most underrated? Yeah, and this one stumped me. Uh, yeah, out of uh, five players on the list, Paul Goldschmidt, DJ LeMahieu, who was with the Rockies but now is with the Yankees, Nick Markakis, and Anthony Rendon for the Nationals. And Rendon, uh, there in Washington, who is now the face of that franchise. So Rendon's really good. He gets lost in the shuffle there, you know, with Bryce Harper was there. So Rendon, I and like Soto. Rendon. And Soto, Soto, 19 years old. Soto is a stud. Yep. He lit up the Yankees last year in interleague play. That's where I was first introduced to Soto for the Nationals. 
Soto's really good. And now, you know, Rendon or Soto, take your pick on who is the face of Washington with Bryce Harper getting booed out of uh, his mind there in Philadelphia now. Yeah, so I was a little I was a little surprised by that too. Even DJ LeMahieu on the list. That he's not a player I would have thought of to be as underrated. We have a DJ LeMahieu bobblehead in our studio, Carter, that sits over here. Uh, it's been here for a couple years now, so he sits and he uh, listens into the uh, Off the Foul Pole podcast on the Dry Time Sports Network. And started the season on the bench yesterday for the Bronx Bombers. He'll get his chance, and he'll put up uh, some good numbers. I expect anywhere from you know, 10 to maybe 15, 20 home runs out of LeMahieu there in New York in that short porch. Yeah, he goes to right field a lot, did that in Colorado, so I think the 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 short right field porch will suit his game nicely. He's also a really good defender at second base. Yeah, he's a he's an all around uh, good player. So for Colorado, they lose him, but the Yankees pick up some depth off that bench, and that's how you know the Red Sox last year did go on to win the World Series with depth off the bench. So that's now what the Yankees have in Lemayhu. Lemayhu's a very good underrated player, so he should be on that list. And and he was as well as Nick Markakis. Yeah, Markakis is. He's been solid wherever he's been. Again, is he with are, Atlanta now? Where is uh, where is Marcakis now? Atlanta sounds right to me. Don't quote me on that. He's That's one of those guys. Sad that's that I forgot where Nick Marcakis is playing baseball. Yes, kinda, it is. What kind of baseball podcast are we? <laughs> he is with Atlanta. Okay, good call. You call it. You got it. I guess we do know what we're talking about here off on uh, off the foul pole. Okay, so this one here was not a big surprise. Who was the most overrated player in baseball? This was an absolute landslide. Well, a lot of players in the league do not like him because he comes off as smug, and that's going to be Bryce Herper, and that's probably who's on that list. 62% of the vote. None of these other votes that I've seen got more than 50 or even 40%. When it came to the most overrated player by his peers... 62% 62% voted Bryce Harper. Second year in a row he got that. <laughs> Others receiving receiving votes, Marcus Stroman, Giancarlo Stanton, Jason Hayward, which I can agree with. He's always been overhyped and hasn't performed very well. Manny Machado, another big signing. Noah Syndergaard, I was a little surprised by that one. And Gary Sanchez, I was a little surprised that they were on that list. Noah Syndergaard, I like Noah Syndergaard. I, a little shock he's on that list, to be honest with you, uh, along with the other players. That I wouldn't you... say I wouldn't say he's overrated or under. I, I think he's rated pretty fairly as as to what he is. Yeah, over. And... I mean, is he overrated though? Because I don't believe he, he's that Noah Syndergaard's overrated. I don't think I, he's I don't. talked about that much. I mean, he plays for the Mets. But he comes off as a guy that you know maybe he's a little bit smug like Bryce Harper. So maybe that's the reasoning behind you know the vote. I think I all those players on that list that you, you just said were overrated, you know, come off with, you know, just not being well-liked. Well, and I I don't know, John Carlos Stanton, I think he's, he he's a likable guy. But he plays for the Yankees. He went he from the Marlins the to the Yankees, so that's why they contract. don't like him. He strikes out a ton. He did absolutely nothing in the playoffs last year. So I I would tend to agree with that. I wouldn't say that he's necessarily an unlock, unlikable player. But he makes a ton of money, and he plays for the biggest, you know, media market franchise in baseball. So that's there's your reason. It's not because of what he does on the on the field. It's more that he makes money. He plays for the Yankees. So listen to a couple of these comments they made about Bryce Harper being overrated. It said, 
on Harper, especially now, referring to his $330 million contract. The players voted him as the most overrated last year, but now they're saying especially now he's overrated. Another player said, it's marketing, it's star power, but what has he done on the field besides have one good year? Um, and it says, the results are here unsurprising considering that players overwhelmingly voted for Harper last year as well. And that is before he signed a $330 million. So not very well liked in the league, Mr. Bryce Harper, $330 million man. So you want some quick takeaways from opening day, some overreactions before we close this show out? Yes. So if you it. go back to 2018, the Red Sox uh, bullpen on opening day, they blew a lead. Like, again, I, I, I don't remember who they put. I think it was maybe the Mariners again, maybe last year. So not more than, you know, you know, six months after they, five months after they win the World Series. The bullpen was pitiful yesterday for the Red Sox. Chris Sale got hammered. So what should we make of the Red Sox? Are they in trouble? No. No, they're going to win close to 100 games this year. They'll be just fine. They have they have the lineup. They have the bullpen. They have the starting pitching. Red Red Sox will be just fine. They did have some World Series hangover uh, a few years back when Big Poppy was still there. I believe after they won the World Series, they didn't make the playoffs the next year. I don't anticipate that happening this year. Yeah, That'll Chris, be just fine. Chris all got hammered, like we said, against the Mariners. The velocity started at 94, dropped to 92. So, yeah, another year, another overreaction after one game. A lot of people in Beantown really panicking. It's a long just, season. Just stop. It's a long season. Christian one y- of 162. Christian Yelich homers on opening day confirmed uh, he's still a god, right? I wouldn't quite put him on that status yet, but he's a dang good player, and that was a... a a really good pickup by the Milwaukee Brewers. Really good pickup. Yeah, his surge last season was due to being more aggressive uh, approach at the plate. And I thir- just need a yeah, change of scenery. Get out of Miami. Day, yeah, opening day, uh, his homer came off the first pitch. So, you know, he's not a god. I'm just kidding. But Yelich can, you know, he can make a step back to being, you know, in that second half of the season where he was here in the first half for Milwaukee. And could win his second MVP. The Twins clinched the American League Central. Congratulations. With everything happening with Cleveland, uh, the Twins are your AL Central champions. Are we overblown that? Uh, yes. Because you, you picked the Twins to win the division. Remember that. And you know what? I think I agree with you. I think the I think the Twins are better than the Indians. I don't know if they're better. I just I think they're heading in different directions. I think the Twins have an upswing, and they're heading um, towards being competitors in that division. I think the Windows... When I think the Indians' window is closing slowly, I think they'll still be contenders this year, but I think they're definitely on the decline. Someone we didn't talk about was San Diego and made his uh, debut. Twenty-year-old Fernando Tatis Jr. And I think they. I, I think I read a stat this um, yesterday that since 2015 was it you that told me this. 2015 is the first time the Padres have had a winning record, being one and zero. I believe that that <laughs> it was probably something that I looked at and mentioned to you. So, yeah, the Padres, uh, overreaction for now, you know, don't get too excited. Just calm down. It's one game. You're going to have to grind through it. But the Padres off to a quick start, 1-0 with Tatis. And he, Dodgers have that division in the back. Yeah. The, see, I told, I I told you that. Why did, do you, I will let you change right now. Do you want to change your pick? No, I can't do that. Can't. I'm not changing my pick. I'm, I, I bleed purple. 
So an opening day record, eight home runs for the Dodgers in a 12-5 win. We talked about that. The Yankees as well. They were launching some balls yesterday on opening day. Uh, I knew it was exciting for you. And then you turn around and the Dodgers and, you know, hit eight. Yeah, there's. I think you might see this trend continue. The home run record has been broken the last couple of years. It's kind of like the three-point shot in basketball. I wouldn't be surprised if you see that home run home run record be broke again this year. The Dodgers are going to mash. If you go back, uh, if I, um, I think it goes back maybe five, maybe six years, but Dodger Stadium was the friendliest park to homer on on high drives last season. So you just put one up in the air and it goes out. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of home runs. Eight home runs in one game opening day. Pretty good way to start your season as a Dodger fan. You know what we didn't talk about who pitched really well was for Houston was Justin Verlander, who is still getting it done at age 36. Again, he kind of just flies under the radar, which is surprising that you somebody like Justin Verlander would fly under. But that's Alex Bregman was his whole complaint last year was the Houston Astros never get talked about. They're never on national TV. It's something they all complained about last year, but I didn't know that. I didn't know he had a good start yesterday. And something that's going to hamper this team all season is because their bullpen is trash, and I'm sorry, it's not an overreaction, is the Braves. Their bullpen is trash. And come crunch time at the end of the season when you have to win big ball games, your bullpen, your your season rides on your bullpen, especially at the end when arms are tired, when starting pitchers are only lasting five innings, when it's 100 degrees outside, you have to have good bullpen pitching to win games. Hey, I had a lot of fun, huh, Carter, on episode three. We went into uh, in Baseball's depth. back. With opening day, uh, we had the uh, article from uh, The Athletic, dove into that, and uh, looking forward to episode four. We'll be another week into the regular season so we can overreact on more teams. This and time s- next week, the Yankees will be 7-0. and and sometime uh, next week, Cincinnati will still be in first place at this point when we record our right, podcast. We'll, we'll see about that. Yeah, off the foul pole on the Dry Time Sports uh, Podcast Network. Episode three in the books, Carter. A lot of fun. Um, we're going to watch some baseball, uh, I know, as soon as we're done here. Reds are off. Probably watch Kentucky Wildcats lose the game tonight. Yeah, so if, for you, those who don't know me, I'm a diehard Kentucky Wildcat basketball fan. They're playing Houston tonight. I'm a little ang- anxious and a little nervous for that game. A little worried. Yeah, they have the talent to do it. You're never worried about their talent. It's whether they're going to show up or not. Yeah, go back to the last season where they uh, lost to Kansas State. Yes, and uh, we were there. PJ, yeah, we went up to Boise and watched the uh, first round for Kentucky as they got to... Uh, oh, they advanced in that round, huh? Yeah, we watched yeah, the Thursday night falling. You know, last year they lost to Kansas State where PJ uh, Washington was 12-25 from the free throw line. That's Shea Gilders, Alexander missed a three at the buzzer. Kansas State moved on. They lost to Loyola, Chicago. Yep. Duke, that's my team. Okay, that's a wrap for Off the <laughs> Foul Pole on the Drive Time Sports Network. For Carter Simpkins, I'm Travis Anderson. Thanks for listening.